بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم الحمد للہ رب العالمین وصلات والسلام علی شرف الانبیاء والمرسلین محمد رسول اللہ صلی اللہ علیہ وعلا علیہ وصحبہ وسلم تسلیمن کثیرن کثیرا فما بعدو My brothers and sisters I want to tell you about the story of another one of the great sahaba of Rasulullah sallam another young man and his name was Suhaib and his title was Ar-Rumi Suhaib the Roman now he was not Roman he was actually Yemeni and uh, the reason he got his title the Roman was because he was the son of a chieftain of Yemen so one day his mother took him to visit her relatives and he was at that time about 4 or 5 years old and they went to this seaside place so either the relatives lived there or maybe they just went to a seaside resort or something and that night one night while they were there the romans raided that village and this little boy was captured and he was sold into slavery so he ended up in rome and uh, as a slave of a roman and the long and short of it was that he uh, he would he, he could still speak arabic because that was his language but he spoke it with a uh, with a latin accent so the romans used to speak latin and that's how he got his name uh, soheb or rumi so he grew up in rome the, the his his master was a kind man so he you know brought him up properly he got a good education and so on and uh, he was very clever and he became quite good at business at trade so then he um, he learned the long and short of it and he learned the learned trade from there and as you might know the whole economic system of the time was uh, was roman the coinage was roman the um, uh, banking system was roman and uh, obviously the world belonged to rome on one side and to persia on the other so then from there he um, ended up in makkah now i am not sure exactly how he ended up in makkah but somehow one of the makkan businessman he bought him so he ended up as a slave of this makkan businessman so he said to this man he said look i i mean don't treat me as a slave you know like in just servant but give me some freedom and uh, i will trade for you so give me some capital and uh, he worked out he, he negotiated with him a deal where he would uh, keep some of the would be allowed to keep some of the profits of the slave of the uh, of the trade his master agreed he was a sensible guy he is here's here's the slave who can actually earn money for me and i have to do nothing it's like money for free so the this this that was the arrangement Now some years passed and uh, Suhaib al-Rumi radhiallahu became uh, very wealthy he became he because he was he was retaining profits from the trade as per the agreement with his master and so he became very wealthy and that is when 
Rasulullah then announced Islam. And Suhaibur Rumi was one of the first people to accept Islam. Now his master was not very happy with that, but uh, Suhaibur Rumi was valuable material. You know, he was valuable property. So unlike the other slaves, uh, like for example, um, Abu Ammar, Yasser anhu, uh, and the mother of uh, Ammar bin Yasser, Sumaya bint uh, uh, Sumaya uh, radiallahu anha, uh, Sumaya bint Khayyat radiallahu anha, and uh, others, and Bilal radiallahu anhu, for example, some of the most prominent uh, of the Sahaba who started life as slaves and who were terribly tortured and they were, you know, the Quraysh took out all their hatred for Rasulullah on these people because these people, they knew that they were causing pain to the Prophet by torturing his dearest companions and friends. And uh, these people were, they were slaves, they had no one to help them. And so they couldn't retaliate, they couldn't fight back, they couldn't resist. So this was going on, but Suhaib Rumi was spared all this because uh, he was valuable to his master. However, then came the, the Hijrah and Rasulullah left for Medina. Suhaib Rumi, I mean, and other people left with him. So now this master of Suhaib Rumi, he was a smart man and he knew that, okay, this man is going to go away. Uh, at some point in time, and he didn't want that to happen because he said, if this if this man goes away, then I lose my, uh, you know, this business thing which is going on very well. So he uh, put guards on Suhaib Rumi, and Suhaib Rumi was not imprisoned because he needed him to be free to work, but he put guards on him so that he couldn't go anywhere. However, Suhaib Rumi, who was a smart man, and one day he gave them the slip and he left for Medina. However, very quickly, the guards woke up to the fact that their uh, ward, who they were supposed to guard, had escaped. And so they set out in pursuit. So there was this whole posse of people who set out in pursuit of Suhaib Rumi Anhu. This got a bit sticky because these people were also, you know, they, they, they were fast on, they were on fast horses and so on. And it got to a point where Suhaib Rumi realized that he can't escape them. So there was a, at that place, uh, there was a hillock. There was a rocky hillock and Suhaib Rumi he climbed this hillock to the top. And the Parsi, the people who were chasing him, they surrounded the hillock and they started coming up in a circle to capture Suhaib Rumi. And this, I mean, things didn't look good at all because obviously, uh, you know, this was one man against, you know, whatever it was, 20 people or something. And this, the, the, the news was tightening quickly. Now, Suhaib Rumi, as part of his training in Rome, uh, and this was a common thing in those days and until, uh, until you know, very recently, that especially the men, but then women also, used to be trained 
in uh, at least some battle skills. So, you would be an archer or you would be a swordsman or uh, you knew how to use a battle axe and so on. Horse riding was part of, for part of uh, a child's uh, growing up training. And I'm not just talking about horse riding as in dressage or something. I'm talking about uh, riding horses to war, uh, which is a very different uh, kettle of fish. So, all of this was part. So, so, so ever Rumi was an archer and he was very well known as an archer. He was a very good archer. So, as these people were closing the nose and tightening the nose and closing up to capture him, so ever Rumi hid behind, Radhyalan, who hid behind some rocks on the summit of this uh, hillock. And he called out to them and he said, I have an arrow in my quiver with the name of each one of you written on it. And if you come any further, then my arrow will find you. So now, there was a stalemate. They can't come ahead and uh, he can't run anywhere. But so Rumi realized that, you know, there's 20 people, uh, he can't stay awake 24 hours, those people can take turns to sleep, so at some point in time, they are going to capture him. So he said to them, he said, look, I have nothing against you and you have nothing against me, right? All I want to do is to get to Medina, to Yathrib. He said, I know what you are after. He said, you are after my wealth. So how about we do a deal? And he said, my deal is that I will tell you where I have... Uh, kept my treasure because he had his wealth he was you know those days wealth was gold and silver so he said I have kept it in a particular place in Makkah I have buried it in, in a particular place and I will tell you where it is you go and take it and let me go so they, these guys they consulted and then they said okay to tell us where it is and we let you go so ever Rumi Radhyalanu told them and they left him and they went to find that wealth and so ever Rumi Radhyalanu uh, was free to go to Yathrib. He reached Madina and uh, when as soon as Rasulullah saw him, he said, Ya Suhaib, that was a great bargain. He said, that is a fantastic bargain. You did a very good bargain. Now, few things and how Nabi Sallallahu knew was that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala sent Jibreel to him with this news to say that your Sahabi, this is what has happened to him and he's on his way and he's coming and when he came, Nabi Sallallahu welcomed him and, and made dua for him and told him this. Now, a few things that I want to uh, mention, I, I want you to think about. First and foremost is, if you were commanding that group of people who were surround, who had surrounded Suhaib Rumi, and uh, the man that you are, your quarry, the man that you are trying to catch, uh, tells you that I will tell you where the, the gold is and you go find it, let me go. What would you do? Right? Would you just go away? Take the word from him that he tells you it's here and you believe him and you go away. Would you do that? I don't think so, right? I don't think anybody um, in today's world would do that because it would be very foolish because you would be trusting within quotes your enemy uh, to speak the truth. And uh, in a world today where we nobody speaks the truth, uh, today we have completely lost trust in society and... Uh, except for people you know very personally, usually you will never trust anybody to speak the truth. So, obvious thing to do would be to send one man to go and see where the gold was and then to come back and say, okay, here it is. He spoke the truth and then you would let him go. 
you could of course take the gold and kill him also but okay maybe maybe you're honorable you won't do that so you will let him go but you will first verify whether what this man told you was true or not those makkans did not do that and believe me that's not because they were stupid they had as much intelligence as you and i have if not more they did that for another reason and they did that for the reason that they believed suhaib rumi radhiallahu anhu why did they believe him because he was muslim and they know that muslims don't tell lies muslims do not lie now you might think this is a bit far fetched and your times have changed but believe me i was in south africa uh, some years ago and i was uh, speaking at a at at you know bayan at one masjid and after that finished one one person came up to me and he was a judge in the high court of south africa he said to me sheikh this was the situation with us with the muslims of south africa during the apartheid times during the christian times when this country was ruled by very religious dutch orthodox christians and of course they had apartheid they are, they were racist and so on and so forth we don't we don't countenance and we don't support any of that but he said the rule at, in those days was that if a muslim was called to bear witness in court the muslim was not compelled to swear with his hand on the quran or anything because they said the muslim does not need to take an oath to speak the truth because muslims don't lie muslims always speak the truth imagine this is in the modern day today's world I'm not talking 7th century i'm talking 21st century in this day also muslims had that reputation in south africa and i'm sure there are similar stories in other countries the question to ask is what happened to us since then because even in south africa that is no longer the case because of wallah alam you know what people did so very important for a second and very important thing to uh, to think about is this that when rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said to suhaib ar-rumi what a wonderful bargain you made what bargain is he talking about because he's looking at a man who lost everything he had in his life right all that he earned until that day all the hard work and everything else that he did until that day gone in one shot why because that man accepted islam because he came he wanted to be with rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam no other reason he was the the makkans were happy to have him there they were not even trying to prevent him from practicing islam they didn't torture him they didn't punish him nothing he could have stayed in makkah and he could have continued to do business and so on he did not have to go to madina right he could have waited and see okay let's see today tomorrow next year following year let's see how conditions uh, change right he could have done all of that if he had hung around in makkah long enough then fatah makkah would have happened and suhaib rumi would be free and he could have had all his wealth Now, obviously he didn't know that this was going to happen i'm just saying that if he had simply delayed this was eventually that was history what made him leave everything give up everything to go and be with the messenger sallam and what is it that rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam thought was such a wonderful thing that he said you made a great bargain to lose everything you have just because you said la ilaha illallah muhammadur rasulullah is this a bargain think about this is it a bargain because rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said it is a bargain so it is a bargain that is my belief is this what we believe if this is what we believe if it is not what we believe then there is something seriously wrong because then your understanding and the understanding of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is different 
But if you do believe that this was a wonderful bargain, the thing to ask ourselves is, what am I doing with regard to my Islam today? I am not, like, unlike Suhaib Rumi radiallahu I am not being asked to give up everything I have in order to be Muslim. I can have everything I have and be a Muslim. Am I doing that? And if I am not doing that, why am I not doing that? Because the day will come when we will stand before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and people like Suhaib Rumi will be there. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, may Allah protect us from this. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, this is what my, my abd did, what did you do? Because you also are my abd. Then what is the answer? I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to enable us to live our lives in a way which are pleasing to him, Jalla Jalalu. And to save us from the temptation and the misguidance of ourselves and of shaitan. وصلى الله على نبي الكريم وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين برحمه الله